I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETFs for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focus Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Larry. Good morning, Mike. Come on, guys. Okay, you ready? Today's first question. Before the recent bounce back in the stock market, it had hit three lows, each lower than the previous. If you do technical stock analysis, that's a negative sign. Mike, have we hit a bottom or is that a signal for more declines? Well, this is really tricky because if you just pay attention to technical analysis itself, it would probably suggest to you that we could continue to decline and deteriorate because most technical analysis is actually done simply by reading where stocks are relative to their like 50, 200 day moving averages or, or instruments like that. But I think just paying attention to those indicators and where lines are on a chart, um, I, I don't think that's quite enough. And one real interesting indicator that we've kind of seen recently, I, I think it's much more likely that we see some type of regime shift in terms of what sectors are actually participating and performing well beneath the surface of the market. And that could come with a some type of a change in different economic momentum and where the growth is actually coming from and or going to. So if you look, pay attention to different breadth indicators, some breadth indicators are actually holding up somewhat better now than they were in the periods of January and February. And that is a little bit of a positive. You also have the number of new 52-week lows on the NASDAQ. Every single time that the S&P 500 probes these lower levels, the number of, of stocks recording new 52-week lows is actually declining. And that's more of a positive element. Now, by saying this, I don't think that we're out of the woods yet because it's kind of hard to see what the rationale is for the market really ripping to the upside here, especially when you take into consideration the forward outlook for earnings growth with economic growth potentially deteriorating a little bit due to these inflation numbers being really high. I mean, at the end of the day, our economy is 70% consumption. So the longer inflation stays at these high levels, the less power the consumer is actually going to have on a relative basis. So there are certain segments of the economy like consumer discretionary that you know, could be re really tricky here in the intermediate term. Um, meanwhile, some other areas that could be you know, a little bit more interest rate sensitive, like utilities that don't necessarily have the economic variability, could have an okay potential outlook here. So I think that more likely than not, we're going to see a scenario where the technical analysis figures could be little head fakes. I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago when Apple broke its 200-day moving average that people were up in arms and they thought that the whole market was going to fall apart and decline. And what's Apple done since then? It's kind of just kind of, it, it's kind of ripped higher. So the technical analysis in a lot of ways can trap you um, by just looking at some moving averages and charts. And I think you have to look at the bigger picture on the macro side where you know long-term economic growth is coming under question here you know the federal reserve still thinks we're going to come in around two to 2.8 percent in the second quarter and i particularly think it's going to be lower um so i think that you're probably going to see point eight what gdp say that, say that again larry 2.8 what? Is that GDP or inflation? Yeah so the Atlanta Fed nowcast currently has us close to 2.8 percent 
in the second quarter. And I think that that number is way too high, especially considering where consumer metrics are likely to come in at. And that's one of the reasons that the Fed is forecasting over about eight hikes in this calendar year is because they think the economy is really strong. And I just think that the longer that inflation stays high, the less power the consumer is going to actually have to spend. And you're going to see some of these metrics roll over. And you're sort of seeing that with you know, the wealth effect consumer, the University of Michigan consumer confidence index is at some of the lowest points that we've seen, even during the COVID time period due to inflation being so high. So I think that purchasing power on the consumer side is going to- Look run at mortgage over. starts too, right? I mean, household formation, mortgage starts all, all rolling over. Yeah, we're, we were kind of talking about this this morning and we're close to the upper bound in terms of where we think that interest rates can actually go on an intermediate term period before- you start to see even more deterioration in economic activity because we talked about this a lot. The fourth quarter of 2018, which I, I really think this is a very close proximity to in terms of Fed activity, uh, you have more inflation now, obviously, than you had then. So at, back then, the 10-year treasury got north of 3%, but about 3.2%, and the market didn't like it. And like I say, you have more aggregate debt in the system now. So that upper bound of where economic productivity starts to deteriorate because lending gets a little bit too high in terms of purchasing power. Um, I I think you're really close to there where it's going to cause a real significant slowdown in economic growth. So the Fed has to walk a tightrope here to make all of this work. It's going to be very difficult for them to thread the needle on all this. And you were talking about sectors. Which sectors are doing well? Like uh, right now, what about defense sector stocks? Yeah, so defense sector stocks filter back into industrials, um, and the defense sector is actually doing a lot better than industrials as a whole. Right now, the biggest standouts in terms of positivity are energy, which is doing pretty well in the air. Financials are doing relatively well due to rising interest rates. You're also seeing utilities hold up pretty well on a relative basis, even though utilities trade with a lot of interest rate sensitivity and rates have been rising pretty precipitously throughout the course of the year. Um, consumer staples also look pretty solid, but all these are very defensive sectors, if you think about it, with with the main exception being energy. Um, so if economic growth starts to roll over a little bit, obviously you have various supply demand constraints within energy, but these are all really defensive segments and areas of the market that you have to pay attention to. So I think that that tells you something that's pretty uh, informative right there when you look at the, the sectors that are performing the best relative to the market, a lot of defensive type names. So it's possible that the market sees lower lows here. I still think that certain areas of the market have probably bottomed on an intermediate term time uh, spectrum. Like what areas? Well, I think that certain areas of tech are relatively close to seeing a, a bottom. I still like utilities here. So I think that there are definitely investable areas. And I mean, energy is really going parabolic. So I yeah. think if you if you hadn't over the course of the last few weeks taken some gains in the energy space and the energy sector, um, I think that was the right move. You always want to basically maintain some type of a diversified balanced portfolio, right? So you don't want to be all in, all out of anything. But if you weren't selling some of energy exposure into that parabolic move higher, I think that you have to rethink some of your risk management. <laughs> yeah. Second question. You were talking a lot about interest rates and they're rising. And when they're rising, bond prices are falling. So if I have a diversified portfolio in the classic 60 stocks, 40 bonds, 
percentage. The bonds are doing worse than equities. Is there anything I can do about that, or is that too late? So right now, uh, that bond side is tough, right? Year to date, as of this morning, you got the S&P down roughly 4.5% on the year. Uh, you have the bond market, the Barclays aggregate bond market, bench market for bonds down 6.71%. Uh, you know, rates have, you know, last night, uh, the rates kind of touched 2.5% on the 10-year treasury, backed off big, you know, off of that this morning, down about five basis points. Um, so that part of the portfolio uh, is getting hurt right now. And, you um, you know, I, I think that it really goes back to being diversified. And what do you do in these times? So, you know, just like we said in March of 2020, COVID March, when stocks were down close to 40% uh, in a month, there's three things you can do right now. If you like the holdings you're in, if you are a long-term investor, um, you know, you can add to your holdings. You can buy more. Uh, you can sell and you can do nothing. Doing nothing and adding at these times are probably the best moves if you take a look at the long term and see where you need to be. You know, the difference with bonds, right, is that there's also, you know, coupons on bonds. So, you know, if you're in a diversified bond portfolio and it's yielding roughly 3%, yeah, you might be down on the year, you know, 6%. So you'll recoup some of your losses vis-a-vis, you know, cutting coupons and you put those monies to work you buy more bonds, you rebalance, you make sure that if you are 60-40, and the 60 hasn't budged that much now on the year, right? It's only down about 4%. So on a 60-40 portfolio, you're losing two and a half on stocks, but you're down closer to 3% on your bonds. If you're going to make half of that back up in the coupon, add to your positions, You know, make sure you're rebalancing on a quarterly basis, and take a look out. I mean, to Mike's point, yeah, the economy has an uh, you know an inflation problem right now, and I think it goes back to a lot of the two Tuesdays when we've kept saying historically, whenever you've had inflation over six percent for a rolling twelve month period, it's seven and a half by the way right now in the rolling twelve, stocks and bonds are both down between five and six percent, and that's exactly the period we're in right now. Historically, a very unusual time to be in. Um, you're looking at you know short-term municipal bonds out there yielding you know maybe 40 basis points over the equivalent two-year treasury. Those are very you know uh, tax freeze, uh, making a lot of sense if you're in a higher tax bracket. Um, you know stability of principal. So I think there's uh, opportunities to be had, especially in nax- national municipal bonds here, uh, tax-free municipal bonds here. Um, you can certainly make the case for the long term, but. To Michael's earlier point, you have to stay diversified. You have to rebalance on a quarterly basis. The worst thing to do at these levels would be to blow out of your bond positions, you know, and sell them and and just, you know, run for the hills. Uh, That's a a great way to guarantee locking in losses. Do we go above two and a half percent on the 10 year treasury? You know, uh, one of the uh, fixed income analysts from uh, Bernstein was out over the weekend saying maybe the fair value of the 10 years, 3.12. We've maintained here it's going to be very tough to go over two and a half percent. You know, maybe we'll overshoot that by a little bit, but I think most of the damage has been done by now. Uh, don't forget, last year you lost a couple percentage points on the Barclays aggregate bond index as well. So if you couple that with this year's close to seven percent, that's down ten percent now. Two years in, uh, over two years in in fixed income. 
that is a big loss for fixed income. Uh, I don't think it gets much worse than this, but again, uh, we don't have a crystal ball. So I would add, I would, I would reinvest uh, those coupon payments at these lower levels uh, and make sure you're staying balanced. And this is when you dollar cost average into a fixed income portfolio. And depending on your time horizon, you know, obviously you want to stay short. You probably want to take on um, a little bit more risk uh, here uh, than duration. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that you want to have a balanced, no, I know that you want to have a balanced portfolio and build it out at these levels uh, and certainly take some advantages there. I mean, I saw some great closed end triple tax-free New York funds uh, last week that looked very attractive to me for the long term. So what would you recommend if people wanted to add their portfolio, bond funds or actual bonds? Right now, you're seeing a plethora of both. And so as you rebalance at these lower levels, uh, I think you really have to look at your needs and, and what you need and what kind of risk you can take on uh, before choosing you know, which tool to to to, to satisfy your, your needs with. Okay. The real tricky part about all this too is that the Fed was kind of with quantitative easing. <laughs> it was buying so much bonds, especially treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. They were basically playing whack-a-mole. <laughs> anytime yeah. they anytime just it worked up, the Fed is just pushing the buy button over and over yeah. again. So, I mean, markets can stay irrational for a really long time period. And looking back in hindsight, maybe the yields that we saw in the middle of last year were somewhat irrational given the rate of inflation. And we're basically yeah. just seeing a bit of a reset now. And they, they got too low last summer and into last fall. And now we're seeing a bigger spike to the other side, which is more of the mean reversion of where we should have been. Now, I mean, if I can, without the Fed basically buying bonds on a constant basis, that could be causing the supply-demand imbalance, could be causing yields to perk up. I would have to think that given some of the yields globally around the world, as our interest rates continue to migrate higher, people in Europe and everywhere around the world, our U.S. treasuries become much more attractive on a relative basis. So you're probably going to see international inflows that are going to come into our bond market. Hey, look, then- year to date, the global bond index, right? Global mm-hmm. bond index is down 11%. So way worse than our, you know, six and a half, something like that. Yeah. So I think on a relative basis, I mean, if you think that economic growth is going to roll over and slow into the back half of the year, and at some point inflation is going to roll over, then interest rates are probably going to go down unless the supply demand imbalance of treasuries being issued just causes rates to continue to go up. And then we have a much bigger problem on our hands um, in terms of where yields potentially go. So, I mean, I'm in the camp that economic growth continues to slow from its peak. Um probably bottoming somewhere in the second quarter, but I'm also in the camp that inflation rolls over in the back half of the year, just because of the base effects and what you're measuring against kind of support that on the math. So if that happens, I don't think that yields sustain nor like really high levels and they probably back off some. And if you're a value investor, Larry, you know, to your question before, whether it's individual set duration bonds or funds, you got to look for value and you got to match your needs up. And, And this is, you know, starting to be an attractive time to do so. Okay, so treasury bond funds or corporate bond funds? Uh, I personally like taxable and tax-free municipal bond funds. Uh, I think some of the corporates uh, have gotten pretty hauled here too. Um, so I'm looking across the boards. I think there's, I think you could make an opportunity uh, play in, in quite a few different sectors. Okay, thanks, guys. That was great. 
And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address at question. <laughs> send it to our email address, question at twoquestiontuesday.com. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.